Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. Most of your real estate career is going to go brilliantly, but every now and then something happens. Best to be prepared so that you're not caught out of luck. Today, we're going to talk about some of the things you can do to prepare for the worst while you hope for the best. Today on the Real Estate Guys radio program. Are you ready to profit in paradise? Hi, it's Robert Helms. And if you think real estate investing means tenants, toilets, and termites, think again. Located just a short plane ride from the U.S., a virtually untouched paradise awaits. The beautiful country of Belize. When you go to Belize with the Real Estate Guys, you'll spend four fabulous days discovering one of the most intriguing real estate markets I've ever seen. With its jungle rainforests, pristine beaches, and 81-degree turquoise water, Belize is one of the most beautiful places on Earth. Plus, it's considered one of the top seven tax havens in the world. And why U.S. real estate continues to drop, Belize property is on the rise, and many experts think the best is yet to come. But don't just take my word for it. Come experience Belize firsthand at our upcoming investor field trip. When you join us, you'll discover the many reasons we love Belize, like tremendously undervalued beachfront land, super low taxes, ease of doing business, and so much more. Get the details at realestateguysradio.com. Just click on events. See paradise for yourself. Click events at realestateguysradio.com, and I'll see you in beautiful Belize. Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. With me, as usual, co-host financial strategist, Russell Gray. Hey, Robert. We have a topic today that you're going to love, and you're not even going to appreciate it until afterwards. The thing we're going to talk about today is something that is rare, but we'll start with this. Your idea as real estate investors to go out and make a whole bunch of money and create wealth for your family and generational legacy and all that stuff. We're all for that, and that's what you're going to focus on as an investor, but Stuff goes wrong in real estate all the time. Real estate deals have hair on them. What can you do to protect yourself going into a deal? Well, we talk a lot about entity protection and setting up your strategies and your companies in such a way that you're protected, and that's all super important. But the first line of defense often is insurance. And so we're going to talk about a unique angle of insurance today. Don't tune away because I said insurance. I know no one's excited about insurance, but it is really critically important to your business. Absolutely. We found this out the hard way. So we had all these entities and all this asset protection. We had all these properties. We had these operating companies. And we were doing all the things that you do in business. And you create a lot of liability when you're in business. Uh, and whether you're operating a business or just operating properties, there's liabilities you don't even really understand that you have. So when you go out and set up your asset protection plan, which is a good thing, what often gets not taken care of is really understanding how to do your insurance strategically. And that's the important component. And you have to understand what an insurance policy is, is it's a legal contract. It's a promise by an insurance company to provide you with certain protections. And the insurance company is obligated to perform certain functions, if you will, when certain things happen. These policies are written by the insurance company's attorneys. Yeah. And so what other contract would you get into where you're negotiating with somebody where millions of dollars potentially are at stake where you wouldn't be represented? Right. I mean, you wouldn't do that. When you go out and you get into a contract, you've got your lawyer involved, unless you're using a standard form contract, which has been approved by a third party like the Realtor Association, right? Something like that. But if you're, if you're out there making a purchase of something and you've, you're setting up an insurance policy that's uh, theoretically custom tailored to your business and the unique risks that you're exposed to, 
wouldn't it make sense for you to have your own attorney review that policy? And a lot of people don't even know that that's an area of insurance practice that they need to have that guy on their team. Absolutely. And as you're building your team, you're trying to build the folks that you need on your team to help you get into deals. People like brokers and mortgage professionals, people to help you to hold the deals, property managers, maintenance crew, and then people to help you get out of deals. Again, brokers on one side, but also sometimes there's issues and, and insurance is one of those things that we pay for and hope we never use. But when you need it, it better be the right policy. An insurance company's standard operating methodology is to deny a claim. Right. I mean, like it or not, that's what they do. They uh, Instantly when there's a claim, they have a team of people who are looking for ways to deny that claim. If you don't believe that, you are naive. Yeah, absolutely. You watch, just watch the movie The Incredibles. Not that that's a real scenario, right? <laughs> but you got Big Bob there talking to the little old lady and, you know, he's deny, deny, deny. Now, the thing is insurance companies will deny that they do this. And legally, they're not permitted to do it. But in actual practice, it's they do. They do. It's exactly what happens. And we know that from firsthand experience. And so it's really important for you to make sure that you really accurately describe to your insurance broker and to your insurance counsel what your business activities are and exactly what types of liabilities you could be exposed to. That's really, really important. It's not a bad idea to get a litigation attorney involved and say, hey, if you were to come after me, where, where would I be vulnerable? Where would you try to poke a hole in my business model? I'm glad you brought that up because here's what you need to understand. What a litigation attorney does for a potential plaintiff is look for deep pockets and or insurance. If you're insured properly, you're going to be protected from that. It doesn't mean there won't be a claim. It doesn't mean there won't be a case, but it means you'll be protected. To get protected, though, you have to look through the eyes of the worst thing that can happen. And most of us real estate investors are not used to reading insurance policies. They bore us. They put us to sleep. I mean, honestly, your insurance policies, have you really read through them? And when they renew, do you read through the changes in them? Most of us get that little notice in the mail about they've changed paragraph 37D-2 and we read it, you know, read the title and throw it away. And you figure your insurance broker will tell you if there's anything important in there. But guess what? He's not an attorney. Well, and your insurance broker, why that might be a critical member of your team, and many of them are great they're salespeople. Right. They're selling you a policy. It's one of the things Robert Kiyosaki talks about, that much of the education we get is from people selling us something. Think about who educates you about insurance and about the trade-offs between how much the premium is, the deductible, and all that. That's usually an insurance salesperson. Nothing against those folks. A great one is worth their weight in gold. But they're agenda is not the same as your agenda. It's easy to be penny wise and pound foolish with insurance. And, you know, brokers mean well and they're saying, hey, we can save you a little bit of money if we change this clause or change that clause. Well, you know what? You're not buying the insurance policy to save money. And it isn't a commodity. Your business is unique. The risks are unique. The law changes all the time. You can, you better believe that the insurance company's attorneys are on top of every court case. They know exactly what's going on. And every time a claim gets denied or every time a claim gets paid, there's a precedent set under the law. And when you understand that, then you're at a huge disadvantage when people who aren't following those cases in real time 
uh, are making decisions about, do I want this coverage? Do I not want this coverage? Should I accept this clause or whatever? And these contracts are laced with outs, as you would expect, right? The insurance company is going to try to mitigate their risk. Well, you're buying the policy to mitigate risk. So it's this tug of war between you and the insurance company. No, you take the risk. No, you take the risk. No, you take the risk. Okay, well, if you take this risk, I'll give you a discount. Well, if you take this risk, I'll pay you this premium. Well, how do you decide? Well, you have to have representation. So today we're going to introduce you to one of the unsung heroes that could be on your team, and that is your insurance coverage counsel. This is an attorney who specializes in, number one, reviewing insurance policies to make sure that they're going to hold when you need them, and two, should something happen, defend you and go after the insurance company to make sure they pay. It's going to be illuminating, plus he's a really cool guy. We come back, we meet Randy Hess today on the Real Estate Guys radio program. Live nationwide, you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Find out more at realestateguysradio.com. Hi, this is Patrick Donahoe of Paradigm Life. Over the last few years, I've had the privilege of sharing the services of Paradigm Life with you loyal Real Estate Guys Radio listeners through our website, www.beerbank.com, and also on the annual investor Summit at Sea. Subsequently, we have seen a variety of financial situations across the socioeconomic spectrum and how everyone, regardless of their situation, would improve their financial lives by following the system we specialize in. As a result of this experience, we have created an online e-learning system so anyone without obligation can learn about the infinite banking concept. This free e-learning program is found on our website, www.beerbank.com. So check it out today. The website again is www.beerbank.com. If you love real estate and have always wanted to own your own business, listen up. The Real Estate Guys and their panel of experts want to teach you how to go full-time fast in the real estate syndication business. These next few years may go down in history as one of the best times ever to acquire investment real estate. There are deals everywhere if you know where to look and how to assemble the resources. The Secrets of Successful Syndication Seminar will show you how to make big money doing big deals from a team of experts that have syndicated projects totaling more than $1 billion. Don't wait for someone to give you a raise or create a job for you. Attend the secrets of successful syndication and learn how to build a team, raise capital, find deals, and make full-time money in six months or less. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click on events. All the big players use syndication as a way to diversify risk, optimize profits, and earn big money. You can too. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click on events. Hello, Robert Kiyosaki. Listen to the Real Estate Guys. They're wild and crazy, but they really know what they're talking about. Welcome back to the Real Estate Guys radio program that I'm going to download our podcast on real estate investing. This may not be an exciting topic to you, but it is certainly important. Insurance is one of the protections we have as real estate investors and as real estate syndicators raising money. And our guest knows a lot about that. He's not an insurance salesperson. He's an attorney that specializes in insurance. Please welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program, Mr. Randy Hess. How are you, Randy? I'm doing great. Thanks. Good to be here. Thanks for taking time to talk with us today. This is a little-known area of law, actually, and maybe we just start with the fact that, that what you do as an attorney is pursue insurance companies that don't pay out claims. Correct. So um, this is somewhat of a, we call it an, a niche practice. We just represent policyholders in insurance coverage and bad faith disputes. And unfortunately, this world's not perfect, and insurers um, frequently refuse to pay claims when they're made. 
or provide policies that are not really appropriate to uh, the insureds, and I'm frequently called in to, to litigate those issues. So that's basically what I live and breathe. All right. Well, before we get into the litigation part of it, which is absolutely fascinating, and I think the listeners are going to learn something today that's critically important, um, let's just talk big picture. As a real estate investor, I'm going to look at different insurance policies, different types of policies. In a nutshell, what are the things I need to be concerned about? What kinds of policies as a real estate investor do I need? So first of all, let's take the case of an, of an investor who's investing into a, an apartment building, it has investments of um, single-family homes that they rent, perhaps some commercial buildings. So we're, we're looking at that type of real estate investor. First of all, the investor has to face the potential that they may be sued. And those suits may come from all different directions. It may come from a tenant. It may come from a third party visiting the property. Um, if the investor sells interest in, in the buildings, um, it may come from those investors. So um, first of all, what every investor needs who has a rental property or investment property is a commercial general liability policy. Okay. And that policy is generally very affordable. It covers basic claims of typically of accidents that cause bodily injury or property damage. Those are frequent claims, everything from a tenant or a third party slipping on a sprinkler head to um, all sorts of claims that may, may arise from negligence uh, in terms of keeping smoking detectors. Um, it's just we've seen so many different cases. The commercial general liability policy um, for an investor should have what's called personal injury coverage. It's vitally important. It generally comes with the commercial general liability policies, but many of the larger insurers now are just issuing policies that cover the bodily injury and property damage. It's very limited. For very few more dollars, the investor can obtain the personal injury coverage that should come with a commercial general liability policy. And that personal injury coverage is vital because it protects against claims of defamation, invasion of privacy, wrongful eviction, malicious prosecution, all, all sorts of claims that investors are typically brought into in, in litigation. So the first thing that the insured needs to do is they need to confirm that they have the personal injury coverage under their policy. And they can look at the policy. They'll have what's known as a declaration page, and it may list a million dollars of coverage for bodily injury, a million in property damage, a million in personal injury, and the investor thinks they have personal injury coverage. It needs to be confirmed with the broker and the insurer that they have that because many of the policies, even though it lists these coverage, will have an endorsement that's folded up, maybe in the last page of the policy, which almost no investors actually read. Right. And it may say personal injury coverage, and then it will have in fine print personal injury coverage is deleted. So even though it looks like the investor has that coverage, they don't. So that needs to be carefully reviewed, confirmed with the broker. It's vitally important. That's just, that's just a key coverage. There are other coverages the investor needs to take a look at. If the investor has employees or if the investor is renting, um, a vital type of coverage is the employment practices liability policy. So this would maybe cover if I have a property that's managed by a third party by somebody else. Correct. 
the type of lawsuits we see for investors, um, everything from claims that a property manager, uh, for example, failed to lease an apartment to a family because they had children. They discriminated against a potential tenant or that a manager or employee sexually harassed a tenant um, or there was discrimination in, in the rental. Employment practices policies frequently can provide coverage for claims made by third parties for those type of claims. So that's vitally important as well. And I would imagine that a lot of our listeners own properties outside of the immediate jurisdiction they're in, so they don't be watching their manager that closely. And, and who knows about the management company and their employees? Sure. No, absolutely. And that's why, you know, all investors, they have the managers, they want to reduce the headaches, have these things taken care of. The problem is when the manager mismanages. So it's something that you want to avoid. And in that connection, it's very helpful if the investor has the real estate manager name the investor as an additional insured under the real estate manager's policy. What needs to be done is in the agreement between the the manager and the investor, the management agreement, it needs to provide that the manager will name the investor as an additional insured and that the manager will protect. It's called indemnify, um, kind of like insurance, but will provide the insurance and will protect the investor. Um, from any claims that are made, which are the result of the manager's negligence. So it's vitally important. It's a way to get other policies to protect the investors. It needs to be done correctly with the contract. And the policy needs to be followed up on to make sure the investor actually gets an additional insured endorsement, because otherwise the insurer is going to say, we're really sorry. Yes, you've got this agreement, but the manager never told us to list you, the investor, as an additional insured. And sure, it wouldn't have cost anything. It just needed a, an email. Um, and the insurer will most likely d- deny the, the coverage. So it does need some follow-up here in getting the endorsement. All right, a couple critical things here. First of all, a uh, great point. When you are asking to be an additional insured, it generally doesn't cost to have that done. Correct. Or if it does, it's very, very minimal. Yep. And, and then the other thing is this. As a real estate investor shopping for property managers, one of the things we always say is don't shop based on price. That's the worst thing you can shop on. But a lot of the low-cost leaders save money by not having insurance. So a huge question to ask your property managers about their insurance policy. Yeah, absolutely. And at a minimum, some confirmation that they have coverage is needed. Some management companies will say, no, we're not going to indemnify the investor. But evidence that they are insured and um, an agreement from the insurer that they'll be provided notice if that policy expires. You also want your management company to have errors and omissions insurance. That provides coverage if there are mistakes done in the course of, of the manager providing these professional services which the general liability, this, this commercial general liability policy typically is going to try to exclude, the E&O aspect. So you fill in a big gap by making sure your manager has the E&O policy. Um, and in a perfect world, if the investor can be named as an additional insured under that E&O policy, that's helpful as well. All right, so those are obviously a couple of important policies. I know that uh, folks who are getting into the landlording business are concerned about things that are specific riders or exclusions or you know separate policies, things like loss of rent coverage. 
Obviously, one of the reasons we wanted to have you on the program is an insurance salesperson is going to have their opinion about loss of rent coverage, but you sit in the seat where you see the rubber meets the road. Is that up things people should consider, loss of rents? Sure. No, absolutely. That That's a good point. So that's covered under the property insurance that typically will be issued by the same company and oftentimes the same policy that's issuing the general liability policy. That's going to protect the investor's own property, and that's absolutely vital. And there are numerous options with regard to the type of coverage. There's replacement cost versus actual cash cash value. If your apartment building burns down, you don't want to be paid by the insurer for the insurer will come out if you have the actual cash value and not the replacement cost coverage. The insurer will come out and say, well, the nails and the drywall are 40 years old. We give that a 45-year life. We're going to go ahead and, and deduct the value of that by 90%. Right. So you need to get the replacement cost coverage. It does cost more, but it's, it's, absolutely, it's absolutely vital. Otherwise, the investor will come up short. As you mentioned, they need to get the uh, business income loss of rents coverage. That's abs- absolutely vital. Um, there's coverage called extra expense that also covers other consequential losses beyond just the um, the business interruption. If you have to continue to pay your utilities, if you have security people come out, you want, the, want that all covered. Also, insurers from one insurer to another, one form to another, some will provide coverage for um, loss of rents for 12 months, 18 months, 24 months. Um, So there's a whole host of issues that need to be reviewed on the property portion. There's something called coinsurance. So if one of your investors sees that they have coinsurance, they need to make sure that their insurance, what the value of the property is adequately covered. Just making it simple, if a property is underinsured by 20%, the insurer then comes in and uses a complex formula and generally will reduce the payments by 20%, saying you underinsured your property. With coinsurance, we get to deduct the percentage that you did not insure it. The problem with just not having the proper values is a constant problem. Um, It's helpful if the investor sends an email to the agent telling them that they need to come out and value that. Do they provide those services? They're relying on, on the agent for his expertise as to what the value should be. That helps. Lawsuits against insurance agents are very difficult to win. Insurance um, in most states are highly protected. Um, they basically are liable only if they take on um, extra duties. They say that they're experts. They say we're going to take care of the, what the value is and set that for you. Um, otherwise, there are cases where there's just been drastic, horrific um, amounts of coverage suggested by agents, and the agents um, were able to escape any liability. And just generally speaking, there are some excellent agents out there, insurance agents who know what they're doing. There are very few and far between. Um, the vast majority of the agents may never have read the policy that they're selling. And I know that sounds absolutely frightening, but it's oftentimes difficult to rely on an agent as to what coverages to get and what limits to have and whether a claim is covered or not. I can tell you there's countless cases where my clients have come in after being sued and they've said, well, we didn't formally tender this claim because the insurance agent said it wasn't covered. And the claims clearly were covered. 
So rule number probably seven of the rule of the million rules out there, don't expect your agent to really know what's going on in, in the policies. Um, they, they don't. They're in the business of selling policies. They're, they're, sales, they're salespeople. Um, so um, and just make sure that any correspondence between the investor and the agents are in emails. Um, it helps to have a paper trail because at the end of the day, if there's litigation, um, the friendly agent who you, who you trust uh, may very well deny that a conversation that took place took place. That's such a good point. And before we're done, we're gonna, it's on all doom and gloom, folks. We're going to give you a very practical way that you can be sure you head this off at the pass. Hey, but before we finish talking about the types of insurance, let's talk about the person out there that's raising money to do a deal. Maybe I find a great apartment building. I want to bring in some buddies. Or maybe I'm in the syndication business and I'm raising money. Now is there a higher level of insurance I need to consider? Sure. No, a- absolutely. Anyone who syndicates, anyone who develops, um, it's just a, it's a massive exposure to lawsuits, whether they're valid or they're, or they're not valid. Um, it's just a, a litigation target. So syndicators, developers um, obviously need the general liability policy, but beyond that, they also need the errors and omission insurance so that they're protected for providing professional services. And I'm getting, we call them E&O policies. Everybody abbreviates all these, all the policies and sure. language and insurance. In getting that policy, the developer syndicator needs to make sure that they're listed correctly. I have had cases with um, developers, syndicators, and the type of professional services that have been listed have been things um, like um, internet services, um, computer technology services. So it's an instance where actually the broker is trying to save his client money by mischaracterizing what they do. But the problem is when the claim is made, the insurer says, we thought this was a computer technology company. We didn't know they were syndicating real estate. So that that needs to be done. Such a good point because the insurance is, is based on the risk of an occurrence, right? So a, a business like real estate construction is likely to carry a higher premium because it has a higher risk of things happening than a business that is about, you know, storing something somewhere, right? So this is definitely a thing we've heard of investors who have coverage that isn't really proper for even the kind of business they're in. Sure. No, exactly. And there are numerous cases where insureds, uh, investors have been paying for policies that really never provided coverage. And as long as there's no claim, they never figure it out. They pay every every year, but they're basically throwing money away. So it's, it's a real problem. So the errors and omissions are an important policy for the developers, syndicators, and also a director's and officer's policy, which covers very broad claims made against, typically against the director's, officer's, employees for um, negligent misstatements, um, for um, breach of duty, negligent acts, um, it's vitally important as well. Um, these policies, the errors and omission and directors and officers are obviously more expensive than the general liability policy, but they're, they're vital uh, to have on any, any of these um, investments in syndications. Well, and if you're doing syndication, obviously part of your budget is going to be to have these insurance policies that not only protect you, but protect your investors. So it's money well spent there. We're talking with Randy Hess. He is an attorney that specializes in insurance coverage, what we call Coverage Council. We're going to share some great ideas when we come back. We're also going to play real estate trivia next. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Real estate investment advice right in your mailbox. Sign up for the free Real Estate Guys newsletter at realestateguysradio.com. 
Live where you want to live, but invest where the numbers make sense. Even better, invest where you have a solid team to support you. We've been hearing great things about Memphis, Tennessee, and Terry Kerr from Mid-South Homebuyers. Since 2002, Terry and his team have been delivering turnkey rental property solutions ideal for out-of-area real estate investors. So, if you're looking for affordable, trouble-free, turnkey investment property, call Terry. Use our resource hotline at 888-510-6838, extension 118. That's 888-510-6838, extension 118. Or find them in the resources area of our website at realestateguysradio.com. Choosing the right market is one of the most important decisions you need to make as a real estate investor. You're looking for infrastructure, diverse and durable industry, and the right kind of jobs. So let's see if you can spot this market. It's home to more than 80 accredited universities, a Federal Reserve Bank, and more than 1,200 multinational companies. Need some more hints? It's one of the top 10 MSAs and is home to 10 Fortune 500 companies, including UPS, Coca-Cola, NCR, and Home Depot. Still stumped? It's third on the list of most Energy Star buildings in the U.S., has the second tallest hotel in the Western Hemisphere, and it boasts the world's busiest airport. Did you guess Atlanta? You're right. And there's so much more to discover about Atlanta, including the specific neighborhoods where fully rehabbed houses cash flow like crazy, yet sell to investors for far less than $100,000. So come take a look. Join the Real Estate Guys investor field trip to Atlanta, Georgia. For all the details, visit realestateguysradio.com and click on events. Experience this incredible market for yourself and hang out with the Real Estate Guys. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click on events. Hi, this is Simon Black from Sovereignman.com, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. We're having fun talking about insurance and, more importantly, how you can be protected and get the right policies. Great, great stuff. Before we continue our interview with Randy Hess, it's time to play Real Estate Trivia, your chance to win a prize by knowing today's Real Estate Trivia question. And, in fact, it has to do with insurance and real estate, if you can believe that. As soon as you hear the question and think you know the answer, send us your best guess to trivia at realestateguys.com. Radio.com trivia at realestateguysradio.com. The first person with the right answer is going to win a copy of My Next Step, the great book from Dave Leniger, the co-founder of Remax. Very inspirational book. That can be yours if you know the answers to today's real estate trivia question. Last week on the show was Ask the Guys, and we asked this. In February of 2008, Kosovo unilaterally declared independence from what country? The answer, Serbia. Here's our real estate trivia question for this week. One of the large insurance companies invites you to own a piece of the rock. Which rock are they talking about? Which specific piece of real estate? Which rock do they mean when they say own a piece of the rock? If you know or want to guess, send us your answer to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Trivia at realestateguysradio.com. That's today's real estate trivia question. We're talking about insurance specifically for real estate investors and folks who raise capital because that's even one more level of making sure you're protected. Randy Hess is with us. He's an attorney that specializes in helping people who get sued go after insurance companies that deny claims, basically. So let's talk about that part of your business. That's where you spend most of your time, Randy. And I know you have a, an opinion about uh, you know insurance companies that refuse to pay out. As a background, insurance is a unique product. Most states, um, particularly California, have held that the sale of insurance is not the sale of a good. It's not the sale of a service. What it is, is it is the sale of a promise. It's a promise by the insurer that if there's coverage, the insurer will come. If there is a claim that's made that's covered, the insurer promises they'll respond and make payment. It's that simple. 
So it's very different and unique type of business from every other type of business. And the cases are consistent that it's very simple. The insurer just needs to keep its promise. The insurer cannot take into account profit. It can't take into account what it may cost the insurer to respond to a claim that's covered. If a claim is made that's covered, it must respond and keep its promise. So the insurer can make money by its um, decision to insure different companies, what it charges for the policies. Um, they can make money by advertising and having fun lizards um, sell the property or, or tell you about uh, the woes of mayhem that may happen and get people to come because they think they're a better company. But they can't make profit out of the claims department. And it's just an unfortunate fact of life that many insurers try to make profit out of the claim department. And they will try to slow up on making payments. They'll try to make extra interest by making slow payments. They'll deny claims in the, under their thought that most people don't have the wherewithal or the ability to hire specialized counsel to actually make the insurer pay. So that's why most states have developed the rule of good faith that the insurer owes its policyholder. When it comes time to make payments, the insurer has to act in good faith, try to find coverage, not treat the policyholder as an adversary, try to work with them to find some way to, to get coverage, and only deny claims that clearly should be denied. But as I think we all know, in the real world, that rarely happens. That's the reason for my existence, is to make sure that the insurers are reminded of their responsibilities that they frequently forget insurance companies now are, for the most part, publicly traded, parts of large financial empires. They have pressure to, to increase their profits. And they can increase their profits. That's all fine. That's, that's wonderful. They just can't do it when they determine whether a claim is covered or not. So someone might come to you if simply their insurance company denied their claim for some reason, and you would work on the insured's behalf to make the argument that it should be covered, and or if somebody is in a lawsuit on a property and those attorney's fees and so forth need to be covered and whatever settlements and so forth. So how much of your business is that? Approximately 90% of my business is after the fact, after claims have been made to an insurer and the insurer has denied the claim or made restrictions on what they will cover and what they won't cover, um, or an insurer refuses to pay a reasonable settlement. Um, that's probably about 90% of my practice. 10% of the practice is actually helping policyholders when they get their policies, advising them on problems, endorsements that they may be able to get, um, problems with their applications. And it makes things much easier if insured can go through before they get their policies. And insureds can get what's called a specimen policy. So they can ask their agent before the policy goes into effect what the policy looks like, what endorsements are going to be there. And it doesn't take a lot of time to go through that and, and make sure that the right endorsements are used, that the coverages are there. It's called an illusory coverage when you get a, a policy that covers nothing, and it, it happens. Yeah. It's just wise for an investor to seek help outside the broker, um, unless they have one of the very few handful of brokers who are just so sophisticated. Those are generally going to be helping larger companies and not particularly not smaller investors. And e even then, it's helpful for those companies. To, there are oftentimes so many mistakes that are made. 
Well, this is a critical message that uh, we wanted to have you deliver today because rather than go through the heartache and turmoil and timeline and all that stuff when you have to go fight insurance companies, which by the way, you're exceptionally great at, we understand. But that's the point is for an investor who can have that ounce of prevention before they sign up for a policy, having a firm like yours review it. And keep in mind, you're not selling the policy. You're looking as a third party, someone who sat in the seat of having to go after insurance companies to know the likelihood of what will be paid out and if certain parts of the policy need to be there that aren't and, and so forth. So let's talk about that review process. If when, when would somebody get you involved and what kind of questions do they ask you? Um, typically, it helps to get me involved a month, at least a month ahead of time from renewal, um, frequently two months ahead of time so we can get the specimen policies. Also, there are times where it's helpful to get more than one insurance broker involved to see some insurance brokers have different lines that they can call that may be less expensive, that may be providing broader coverage. Sometimes insurers come in and they want to take a particular market, so they'll be offering a better product. Oftentimes, insurance brokers um, fall into what I call inertia, an object that stays at rest, stays at rest. Um, So, um, and they'll just go ahead and just knee-jerk renew the policies and the insurers know that and they'll do an increase every year or keep the policies at the same rate when the policy um, premium may be going down in that particular area. So it's helpful to have some competition um, to see what else is out there and it also helps to keep the uh, insurance agent moving to try to find other markets. Um, The agent typically will come back to an investor and say, um, we contacted these 10 insurers. Um, Six of them said they don't write this kind of line. Um, Two of them declined to write. Um, One had a premium that was $50,000 more than the premium that we've got here. And it all looks wonderful. It all looks like due diligence, but it may not be. It just may all be part of a somewhat of a sleight of hand in terms of the agents know that the insurers aren't going to provide quotes Um, They just may not have the right insurers at their disposal. They may be working through a wholesaler who doesn't have that. So it's helpful oftentimes to get um, two brokers involved to get some competitive quotes and see what else is is out there. But the specimen policy is needed to get reviewed to make sure that there actually is coverage. An example, I know you've got a lot of international listeners. Um, A client of mine based in India, a large company, had a fairly substantial um, company here in California. Unfortunately, the company out of India had basically the entire United States insured through their Indian policies that provided that the coverage would be de- be determined under Indian law rather than California law, and that any lawsuit over coverage would have to be filed in India. So in that particular case, it makes it almost impossible to pursue coverage. Um, After discussing these issues with the client, the client then, at no cost, got an endorsement going forward. It didn't help that previous claim, but going forward, that any determination of coverage would take place in California under California law. Um, That makes a major difference because California law is one of the best states in terms of protecting policyholders, interpreting contracts, um, in determining whether insurance companies acted in good faith when making their decision to deny a claim that shouldn't have been denied. So it, it's helpful to get coverage in California if there's a connection with a, with a California. So when someone has you review a policy, there's kind of two parts of it. There's obviously the legal language and understanding insurance so you can review a policy and as your team looks at that, they can give the investor an idea of where the holes are, things they might want to consider and so forth. But there's also the fact that 
you've been doing this a long time. I would imagine you probably know the companies that are more likely to pay and not and, and those nuances. Sure. And there are those issues. There are certain companies that I know um, will come in and will find every reason to deny the claim and will push very far out theories to try to avoid coverage where a number of insurers wouldn't do that. Um, and particularly in DNO, um, just settled a case yesterday and had two different insurers. And one insurer really came to the table, acted in good faith, um, put up substantial monies to get the case settled. The other insurer, which is somewhat notorious for being one of the worst, paid a smaller fraction of that amount. So it made a major difference that my client had an insurer, as rare as it is, who really acted in good faith and got the case settled. And then the other insurer, who I could not recommend to a client, who um, says, um, no, we're not, we don't want to pay this. Ultimately, they did pay, but it took a lot of work. And the, in, the investors don't want to go through that. They want to be set up initially. And sometimes um, the difference in premium between an insurer that I know is going to act reasonably versus one that isn't um, may be just minuscule. And it's just knowing who, who is decent and who isn't. Randy, I'm not sure if you're comfortable answering this question or not, but let me ask you this. How successful are you guys going after insurance companies that, decla that deny claims? Sure. We generally do not take cases that we don't think that we can prevail on because part of what I do is I tell my clients, you may be wasting your money pursuing an insurer here because you have a very difficult case. I'll tell my client if I see it that if there's no coverage that the insurer was correct. So in cases that we go forward on, we are typically very successful on recovering um, because we're the attorneys who, you know, you lose sleep if you lose one case. You may win 50, but if you lose one, you don't think about the 50 that you won. You think about the one you lost. So um, I hate, hate going through that. It happens. There's, there's no one's perfect. Um, I have an attorney acquaintance who claims he's tried uh, over 100 jury trials and never lost a case. Um, and that's great. He's an, he's an excellent attorney. But part of this, too, is trying to convince the insurers without having to try the case that they're wrong, they have exposure, they need to get the case resolved, they need to treat their insured in good faith. Well, you have an excellent reputation at this, so I appreciate your candor in uh, that topic. That's what people want to know, right, if I'm going to spend the money for this. So let's talk about that. If, if I say I'm syndicating a deal, it makes a lot of sense to have a, a policy reviewed. But it also, I, I probably need to not only set aside some money in my budget for a review of my insurance policy, I need to set aside some sort of reserve that in case I need to hire your services, that money's there as well. Is that a prudent way to think sure, about it? Sure, that, that is a prudent way to, to think about it, absolutely. Typically, in almost every case that involves errors or omissions policies or directors and officers policies, there are coverage issues. The insurer writes at the beginning of the case if they're going to defend what's called a reservation of rights letter. So the insurer is, is basically telling the insured, we're, gonna, we're going to pay for your defense fees, but there may not be coverage. We may want our money back for all the defense fees we pay if there is proof that there's no coverage. So um, in almost all these lawsuits um, where there's a reservation of rights letter, the insured, the investor, really needs to get either defense counsel who's qualified to provide insurance information, which is not always that common, um, or specialized insurance coverage counsel. 
Now, obviously, what it costs for that is going to vary based on the scope of work and how complicated the policy is and so forth. But if a real estate uh, investor wants to have a policy reviewed, what should they budget for that? So generally, the review of the policies, um, depending how many policies are out there, um, anywhere from 2500 to, to 5000 depending on um, what the complexity is. I need to learn about the business, what's done, and then take a look at the policies. So, And often, just the fact that you'll be able to guide them as to what coverages they need and which companies and so forth is probably going to save that money right back. So it's a, it's a cost of doing business for sure, but prudent, especially when you're, when you're raising money on behalf of a project and you have fiduciary duties to your investors. So just in your own account, certainly this is a thing to consider, but if you're raising money that much more. So in general, how often should someone review their insurance policy? You know, you talked about inertia, right? You typically just leave a policy sitting there, but things change, your business changes, the value of your properties change. How often do I look at my insurance policy? The insured should look at it every year. And what typically happens is if you just renew, you're just going to get a renewal declaration page, but there's also going to be sent to you typically folded up in 15 ways, looks like an origami uh, swan, um, new endorsements. Those endorsements generally limit coverage. So an investor may get a get an endorsement that says important endorsement mold dash coverage. And if you read that, you may find that you no longer have coverage for claims of mold or fungus, which are a typical lawsuit, and it's typically insurers are excluding those type of claims. Um, so at least the investor needs to be aware if they're going to lose coverage for that and see if there's any other policies they may be able to, to obtain that may provide that type of coverage. Typically, this should be on renewal. And it gets pretty easy if it's just a renewal of the policy with a couple endorsements to, to take a look at. But if there's new policies that are issued, um, that needs to be reviewed on a, on a yearly basis. Now, if someone has a claim, right, a, a big change in insurance over the last many years has been this idea of lost history reports on properties and certain uh, policies that are, I guess you call wasting policies, that once you've used them, they're used up. Can you kind of speak to those parts of insurance policies we need sure. to be aware of? Yeah, absolutely. So policies such as the um, commercial general liability, your homeowners, your auto policies, those policies typically provide that in addition to paying settlements or judgments, the insurer will pay for defense fees and costs. That's absolutely critical um, because oftentimes the cost of defending these cases is more than what's being paid in any kind of settlement. So the defense attorneys need to get paid. Those policies all provide that defense costs and expenses don't count to reduce the limits. So if you have a million-dollar general liability policy or auto policy, the insurer can spend $10 million in defense fees and costs, and you still have your million for settlement. That's not the case for most directors and officers, the employment practices policy, the errors or, and omissions policies. Those have what are called eroding limits. So if you have a million dollars of coverage and the defense attorneys are paid $800,000 in defense fees and costs, you only have $200,000 left to pay for the settlement. Um, so it's critical that in terms of, of obtaining your limits that you look at what your exposure is because complex cases, particularly against syndicators, developers, often can exceed for defense costs and fees can often exceed a million dollars. So if you only have a million dollars in limits, that can cause a problem. Um, it does put motivation to the insurer to try to get the cases settled early rather than spend all the money. But typically the insurers are going to want more information. The case has to go on for a period of time. So that needs to be considered in looking at the limits. 
Also, there are at times insurers will provide endorsements at very low cost that will say, we'll give you the first million dollars of defense fees and cost. That won't count to reduce the limits. That may be at little or no expense. It may be just a few hundred dollars to, to get that type of endorsement. Um, but they need to be asked. The insurers typically are going to give the worst forms and the least amount of coverage unless they're asked. So very often your insurance policy is going to cover your defense, and so your attorney's fees are going to be covered by that. Ironically, your fees aren't covered. Your fees to go after the insurance company to collect are not covered by insurance generally. Is that true? Correct. The insurer obviously is not going to pay me to beat them up. There is an exception. That is, if we prove to a judge or a jury that the insurer acted in bad faith, there's an exception that in, in many states, including California, that allow my fees to be reimbursed by the insurers. So it's called what's Brandt fees, where from a case called Brandt, um, where the California Supreme Court said you insured need to pay the in, insured's payments to their attorney who obtained coverage because you acted in bad faith. Okay. So that requires us to show that the insurer acted un, unreasonably. If the insurer just made a good faith mistake, what um, didn't act unreasonably, then you don't get your fees back. Um, it also requires typically um, the insured to go through a jury trial, which is something most companies and, and people want to avoid. They right. want to get the case settled and resolved. But it is that specter of having to pay the coverage counsel's fees plus being able to get punitive damages if it's shown that the insurer acted in bad faith unreasonably and with malice. That's what helps keep the insurance companies honest. It's that hammer. And again, I think if you're raising money or if you're a developer, then you're going to have in your budget to, or your reserves certainly, to be able to hire someone like yourselves because that is could make the very difference in whether or not the, uh, the coverage is triggered. Uh, absolutely. All right. This is a fascinating topic. We could go on and on and on, but uh, sure appreciate uh, your insight. I know I've learned a ton today. I'm sure the listeners have. So obviously, we're going to recommend that you always have your coverage uh, counsel review uh, any insurance policy. It's that ounce of prevention. Uh, if you're interested in what Randy and his firm do, you can go to our website at realestateguysradio.com. Under the Resource Center, you'll see uh, Adelson, Hess, and Kelly, which is the law firm that uh, you are a partner of. Shareholder, technically, since we're a corporation, but yes, ab- absolutely. All right. Well, we sure appreciate this, and uh, it's been really good stuff, and thanks for your uh, your time and attention today. Thank you, Robert. It's been great. You're turning to the Real Estate Guys radio program. More when we come back. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Need help with your real estate investment portfolio? Check out the resources page at realestateguysradio.com. Hello, Real Estate Guys listeners. This is Ken Corsini with Georgia Residential Partners. I want to personally invite you to attend our upcoming field trip to Atlanta with Robert and Russ, June 20th through the 22nd. If you've been to one of our field trips in the past, you know what an amazing opportunity this is to get a personal tour of Atlanta while also analyzing a number of investment opportunities in our market right now. You see, at Georgia Residential Partners, we specialize in providing turnkey residential investment properties to investors all over the country. From renovations, to leasing, to financing and property management, our bread and butter is making an out-of-state investment as painless and profitable as possible. If you have a second, download our special report on Atlanta at therealestateguysradio.com or check out some of our current inventory at gainvesting.com. And again, don't forget to sign up soon for our Atlanta field trip, June 20th through the 22nd. I look forward to seeing you there. 
Hi, this is Donald Trump, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. Make sure you attend the Secrets of Successful Syndication in Chicago, Illinois, in August. All the details on our website at realestateguysradio.com. Fascinating stuff from Mr. Randy Hess. Absolutely. You know, this is an episode you're probably going to want to listen to over and over again. Yeah. You know, because there's just so much there. You know, you think, oh, I don't have any employees. Well, kind of you do, because if your agent, who's an agent of you, has employees, then, as we discovered, there's an exposure that comes through your agent to you as the owner of the property. That was kind of a new epiphany for me. I would have never thought that, right? Then all these different letters, right? CGL and EPL and DNO and ENO and, and understanding then where those go in your asset protection structure. So it's a good idea to get your asset protection attorney together with your insurance counsel and have them look over your entire entity structure business model so that you know that you have the right policy in the right place because you say, oh, well, I'm going to go out and do business uh, here under this company. And then you sign a contract for the property that's in a different LLC. And if that property doesn't have, you know, some type of a, a additional insured clause in it or something, or you don't sign the paper just right, the insurance company comes back and goes, oh, well, that's not a claim. So this is critically important. So I'm so happy Randy took the time to visit with us and share uh, these pearls of wisdom. You know, we're a little concerned we asked for the interview. Is he really going to want to open up the curtain and kind of right. share the trade secrets on a, on a national broadcast? But he did and it's great and if you guys are out there you know really doing the thing in real estate this could end up being one of the most valuable broadcasts you've ever listened to yeah you know this is one of those things again that you hope you don't need but if you do there is nothing like having a guy like randy in your corner now it's a specialty under the law and i tell you what before i got involved in bigger deals when i was just getting little houses and duplexes and things it wasn't even in my radar that a kind of this kind of attorney existed right but i'll tell you if you're doing bigger deals if you're stepping up, if you're aggregating capital and you're doing deals with other people's money, my goodness, you owe it to yourself and your investors to make sure the policies you have in place really will protect you. It's like buying a life preserver and not testing to make sure it floats. Or a parachute. <laughs> or, a, or a parachute, exactly. Oh, yeah, it'll be fine. Well, it's when you need it that it matters. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the thing is, as real estate investors, we get all hot and bothered about making money. We're going to make profits. We're going to make equity. We're going to develop passive streams of cash flow. Maybe we get all excited about the thrill of the deal or hunting or negotiating. All the things that are part of it, even handling, you know, the problems that come up. But another big part of being a business person, which is what you are when you're a real estate investor, is risk mitigation. You know, big corporations have departments that are entirely dedicated to risk mitigation. You'll find that out when you apply for your commercial insurance because they ask you, what are your risk mitigation policies? If you have a complaint or something come in, who handles the call? Do you have an attorney on staff? Do you have an attorney on retainer? How do you handle those things? And so just being a prudent business person, you say, oh, yeah, I'm going to go out in the marketplace. Everything's going to be good, sunshine, roses, unicorn, whatever, you know, I'm going to go out, I'm going to make a ton of money. But if you make a ton of money and then some predator sees your money and comes after you, and the first line of defense is your checkbook, your equity, and it's awfully hard to hide your riches in real estate because the property is right there, especially if you have gobs of equity in it, which is a whole different uh, risk mitigation strategy topic. But the point is, is that you need to take this seriously. We hope that this episode has helped you 
think about something in a way you haven't thought about it before and we would encourage you to take the time to sit down and look over your program make sure that the policies and the entity structure that you have is adequate and proper for the business that you're actually engaged in and the states and the jurisdictions that you're actually engaged in because some are better than others and insurance is handled on a state-by-state basis it could be a little complex when you're interstate especially when you're international but you got a lot at stake, right? And you're building a structure that you hope is going to take you to mogul status and you're going to end up with millions, maybe tens or hundreds of millions of dollars of net worth and all kinds of streams of income that people are going to want to come after. Protect yourself, protect your family, protect your legacy. Big thanks to Randy Hess for sharing his great information with us today. Be sure to join us in Atlanta, Georgia for our field trip in June. We're going to have a great time checking out that real estate market. On our Real Estate Guys field trip, we kick the dirt. We learn about the drivers. No real estate is sold. It's educational, but we'll introduce you to a bunch of great folks. You can find out the details on our website at realestateguysradio.com under events. Until next week, go out and make some equity happen. This episode of the Real Estate Guys Radio Show is brought to you by Paradigm Life. Powerful cash management strategies using life insurance. Learn more at beyourbank.com. Mid-South Home Buyers, low-cost, turnkey cash flow properties in Memphis, Tennessee. Corporate Direct, asset protection strategies for real estate investors from attorney and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton. Find these and other great companies under the resources tab at realestateguysradio.com. To learn how you can expose your product or service to the Real Estate Guys audience, call 888-489-7723, extension 4. That's 888-489-7723, extension 4. Or use the feedback page at realestateguysradio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week right here on the Real Estate Guys Radio Show.